Thanks so much, Kristen. Really appreciate you. All right, and then as we move into this new series, Kristen talked about this. I actually did something with the, the staff, and we asked how many people in our congregation, if we were to estimate, spend about three days a week with the Lord, like three days out of seven that they've kind of set aside time to meet Jesus, right? To read the word or pray intentionally, to journal. And uh, Dave was ge very generous. He said 40%. And then we had someone who was super negative said 20%. And everyone else said 30%. So we, so I wanted to take a poll. I mean, it's going to be really, you know, quick and, and not accurate. But if you, when you look at 2020, if you can say, in general, about half the week, you're able to sit down and spend time with the Lord. Could you raise your hand? Raise your hand nice and high and in judgment of others. Very good. <laughs> I think about 15 people out of maybe 100. So maybe 15%. So we all lost. Everyone lost. Um, but, but the most negative person came <laughs> was the closest. I'm just kidding. And um, if you felt a little judged with your hand down and... And even if you had your hand up, but you were like, man, um, even as I spend time with the Lord, I don't know if it's really transforming my soul. I don't know if it's helping me uh, extend more grace to my wife or if it's, if it's as deep as I want it to, to go. To this year, I hope that as we start the year, we would start it by walking towards Jesus and walking towards more intimacy with him. I think that's the gift of every new year. Right? At the end of the year, we get to look back and think about the things that we did well, the rhythms we want to preserve, but also the ways that we want to course correct. And at the beginning of the year, I think one of the most important things we can do isn't necessarily to set like audacious goals that we can't meet, like work out twice a day um, or lose a thousand pounds, you know, but it's like, how can we build a rhythm in our life, a new rhythm? How can we change? some of the trajectory in which we've been walking. And so I wanted to start our time together um, reflecting a little bit about our walk with the Lord. And so I have these questions up. You don't have to answer all of them. And uh, all of us are struggling, right? 85% of us are struggling. And even the ones who raised their hand, I don't think I've ever felt like, man, I love my relationship with the Lord. I don't know if I've ever ended a year feeling like I felt like deeply content with the way I've done quiet time. We've, we all uh, wrestle with this. And so let's wrestle together. Let's fight together. This is something that I need in my life as well. So if you guys could break off into twos or threes, kind of true to our tradition. How intentional have I been in spending time with God? How many days a week did I set aside to be with Jesus? Um, what are our daily rhythms that, that have created space for Jesus in our lives? What are some helpful things that you do to connect with him? What are some of the biggest hindrances? And in 2020, uh, what do I hope my time with God to look like? We're not going to have time for you to hit all of them, but would we just kind of do some reflecting um, on our last year in terms of how we've been connecting with the Lord, okay? Make sure no one is left out around you, and I would love for us to just kind of sit and commiserate together and then, um, and then I'll come up and, and we'll talk about this. 
So when you look at some of the um, frustrations that you have in spending time with the Lord, I think these are the things that have come up in my conversations with you guys, in my own life. Uh, maybe we don't know what to do with our time. You know, even if we were to create that space, like, what do we do with it? And when we have entered that space, that time, sometimes we feel frustrated because it's just dry. You know, we, we've opened the Bible randomly, you know, 4,000 pages or whatever, and just flipped to something and read it. And it's like, I don't understand how this pertains to my life. It doesn't have the girl I like in here. You know, like, we have no idea how to have a, a rich relationship with Jesus, even when we create the space. But creating space can be difficult. Um, we're busy. We're distracted. And I think we live in one of the most, maybe the most distracted generations. I was listening to Ronnie Chan talk about, uh, he's a stand-up comedian, talk about how every night we compete with how many screens we can have between our face and the wall. Right? So there's like big screen TV, our iPad, our laptop, our phone, our Apple Watch. When I use the restroom, I bring my phone. It's like I hold my pee to find my phone so I could use it while I'm, I have like 30 seconds in the bathroom. And every gap in our life is filled with screens. And we just consume so much. But as we take in the thoughts and videos and social media of others, we lose our own space, uh, our own space to think and create, and our own space to be with the Lord. You know, this next passage is, is really famous, uh, Mary and Martha. And it kind of gives this juxtaposition between someone who is busy and someone who is still. And when you think about Mary, there is a, um, an appreciation to what she's doing. In the Jewish culture, hosting was what you were known for. Like your neighbors knew you by how well you hosted. It brought honor or shame to your family. And if you went to a Jewish house uh, back then, you could just knock on someone's door. You don't have to know their name and be like, can I stay here? And they'll be like, yeah. And then you would like, it's like Airbnb everywhere, right? It's, you could just stay at anyone's house because that's how uh, great a value hospitality was. And here we have a, a man, Jesus, coming to stay in the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So when you hosted someone of importance, it brought you importance. Everyone wanted to be Jesus' host because it gave prominence to uh, their household name. And so Jesus wants to stay with Mary and Martha. And so there's this honor in hosting him. And he's rabbi. He, they see him as Lord. They, they know him from this kind of top, bottom-up perspective. And yet, when I look at the relationship Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had, it went beyond uh, rabbi. There was this intimacy and friendship that Jesus shared with them that I, f I feel like is very unique. It's like that friend you go to their home and you can open the fridge and like and fall asleep on their couch and, and maybe you're tired or you're frustrated by work. Maybe you feel rejected by some social group and, and they're the place you retreat to. They're like your safe zone. And for Jesus, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, is his safe zone. It's like his homies, the, the home he comes back to. And so there's this double honor of someone prominent, but someone intimate as well. So Mary is running around because she wants to serve Christ. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, you don't care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, when I think about my life, I often see Martha in it. If you look at the next slide, uh, this is a, a confined moment. I don't think it's indicative of her whole life. But I see a lot of these attributes play out in this one moment where she is, off, she is emotionally and spiritually drained. She's burnt out from ministry. Uh, she's like losing her temper at Jesus and calling out her sister. I mean, everything she did to be dignified and to host well, she broke, she, she broke down as she's yelling at Jesus. She misses Jesus while serving him. There's this scattered and, and fragmentation to her life where she has so many things going on and everything is pushing and pulling out at her, the opinion of the disciples, what is Jesus thinking? What is the community thinking? What are my obligations? What is my gender role here? Uh, she's upset and in judgment of Mary. And, and I see that in my life, and I see that in the life of our community oftentimes, that we can be emotionally and spiritually drained, that I've heard many times people come to me and say, man, I'm burnt out from ministry, or my friend is burnt out from ministry. But I don't hear people say, I'm, I'm burnt out, and I need to abide in Christ. I hear I need to be appreciated more. I need to rotate out. And those things might be true. I need to drop something. But it's funny, because over the two years that I've heard people complain about this, very, I can't remember someone saying, I just need more of Jesus. Like, I need to be connected to him and rooted down in him. I need to, I need to draw from the vine and, and, and lean in closer. And that's what the invitation is. We see Martha missing Jesus while serving him, right? We could run around doing all these things at church and then walk away never being with the Lord. We're serving him, but we're not with him. We're not communing with him. We're not falling in love with him. We could serve him and miss him at the same time. We can live fragmented lives and get upset and judgmental at the people around us. Because when we're, our eyes aren't on Jesus, it's on someone else. That's one of the first ways I know that I'm not doing well spiritually, is that when I start looking around at, and saying, man, I'm doing more than all these people, or I start looking at ch other churches and compare myself or get envious, when our eyes aren't on Christ, it's on the other person, wanting their approval, wanting to be noticed, wanting to uh, outserve somebody. I want, when Jesus invites us in, he invites us first to abide. And what are some other outcomes of neglecting connecting with the Lord? What are some other outcomes when we don't create space to sit with Jesus and be in his presence? We can have this kind of one-inch deep spirituality, you know, like, like the seed that falls in shallow soil, 
any wind or trial comes along and we're uprooted. We have little communion with the Lord. We're not really intentional with Jesus. We could go years and our spiritual life, our sins, our prayer life all kind of look the same. Like we're reliving that first few years of our Christian faith and there's not real maturity or progression. We could live off of other people's spirituality or the spirituality of our community and not have a unique relationship with the Lord. But as we look at this passage again, um, in the next slide, we see Mary. And Mary does something so different than Martha. Um, she sits at the Lord's feet, listening to what he says. And then Jesus says something profound. He says, only one thing is needed. How is that true? Only one thing is needed? Really? Like, how is only one thing necessary in my entire life. But what Jesus is saying is that out of this one thing comes everything else, right? Just like if, I, if I'm playing basketball, talking, uh, hanging out with my wife, the one thing that is needed is that I'm breathing. That my ability to breathe and inhale and exhale allows me to do all the other things in my life. And Jesus is saying that if you want to bear fruit, you have to abide in me. That's the one thing that is needed. And out of that come, can come everything else. But when we sever that one thing, we can expect, right, to burn out, to be dry, to hit a wall. It's like I, I got a Christmas tree. I cut, it, I cut it down. Well, I pointed at it, and the other guy cut it down. And right when it got cut down, I'm just watching it die for a month, and then I throw it out. Right? There's no chance of it living. Or if you cut down your fruit tree and then you're like, hey, I wonder next season what's going to happen. It's going to dry out. Nothing is sustainable if it's not rooted into life. And when we look at our life and our ministry, are we expecting to do sustainable ministry and not abide? Right? That would be like expecting my Christmas tree to go two more years. You know, or, or to have my Christmas tree like, I, Liam, I'm just going to decorate it for next Christmas, 2020, and it's just withered to the bone. But we can do that, can't we? We can do that in our spiritual life, in our social life, in our emotional life. We can, we can think that we can bear fruit without abiding. But Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And so in this next slide, we think about Mary's life. And, and we think about what it, what it looks like to abide and sit with Jesus, to create space to be with him and to draw from him as we serve and do all else. And I think it looks like instead of being drained, that we can be emotionally and spiritually filled. Instead of being burnt out, ministry is out of overflow, is out of abiding, right? That I'm praying for you because my prayer life is so deep. My conversations with God is so rich that I'm extending that conversation into your life. That my, my leading worship up here is out of this worship in my closet, in my living room when no one's watching and entering into God's presence. And then I'm inviting you into that space of worship. I'm, I'm worshiping and leading worship out of my inner life of worship. That as I lead Bible study, as I talk about scriptures with others, it's because I love scripture. 
And I see truth in it, and I'm trying to show you the truth that I see. When I'm parenting, have I sat with ch- as God as his child? Have I heard his gentle voice, his humility, his service and unconditional love, and then taken that and overflowed that into my child, into Liam, into Levi? As I go to work, is, is it because I see God serve me and love me and give me energy, and then I go out and purpose and calling, and then I go serve my, as a teacher or as someone in customer service or in medicine or in business, and I'm doing that out of this calling and purpose in the Lord, that, his, that being with him filters down my life so that I'm not being dragged and pulled in a hundred directions, but as I sit with the Lord, I know what I'm called to do and what I'm called not to do, right? I'm pleasing the master and loving him. Um, I wonder what it's like to have my communion with God be my whole day, like breathing. That out of this presence and knowing he's with me comes every interaction I have with another, comes all of my work, comes my being with my friends and my family and my children. That, that just like breathing, I'm, I'm breathing and doing, right? When, when it says one thing is needed, it's not saying you just sit there all day in front of scripture and you don't eat or exercise or go to work. It's, it's saying do this one thing as you do everything else. Do, let this one thing inform everything else you do. Let this one thing flow into all of the other activity, activities of your life. It's the one thing that is needed, and it's the one thing that drives everything else. What if Jesus was the most important person um, of our day? You know, I, I think about ministry again and, and Liam. And um, when we were leaving today, we had 100 things to carry. You could hit the next slide for me. And uh, he wanted to help. So he got, like, this little box of books, and he's taking it to the car for me. And I loved, I loved seeing him help me, right? I had, like, 15 other things I'm carrying. But is he really helping me? I could carry that with my, my maybe my index finger. My little finger, it would hurt me. I could still do it. But Maurice's index finger could do it. But my, my um, I mean, his little finger, but my index finger, I could totally carry that book, those books with my index finger. He's not really helping me. And then when we got to church, right, um, he, wanted to, he wanted me to hold him, and he wanted, me to, him, he wanted to help me. So he carried a box, and I carried him and the box. <laughs> like, if he just walked and gave me the box, it would be lighter. But it wasn't about him helping me. It was about us enjoying each other's presence. It was about us doing something together. And I, I think that's how we're to see ministry. God doesn't need us. His kingdom's going to expand without us. He'll save the people he's going to save. He's going to come back and rule and reign, whether we step up or not. The Why we serve is to be with the Lord. And, and I think we're doing it right when we're carrying something and we know that God is carrying us. That's when we know we're doing ministry right. 
Not when we think we could get a bigger load and we're like, he can't carry that, she can't carry that, he can't carry that. I'm going to outrun everyone. We're doing ministry wrong. We're doing it right when, when Liam's holding the box and I'm holding Liam. Are we doing ministry because we love being with Jesus? Are we doing, are we, or are we doing ministry and missing him? Right? Martha was doing ministry and missing Jesus. She did everything around him, but he, she wasn't with him. And what did that, what happened? She started getting mad at Mary. She started getting mad at Jesus. Are you doing ministry and getting mad at Jesus? I've done, I've, okay, I'm guilty of all of these things, okay? I just want to, I know I'm preaching to you, and it just kind of sounds like I have it together, but I've been mad at Jesus, right? Like, God, why would you give me such a burden? I'm so tired. Why would you put me in this situation? But that's because I'm not connected. I hope that this next uh, two months, you know, I, I, I don't remember another time I put out numbers in front of you, like that there was a numeric goal for our church. I would love to see 80% of the hands go up in two months to say that, man, I've, I've intentionally tried to spend time with the Lord. And I think that's going to transform all of who we are as individuals and as a community. Being with Jesus. You know, isn't that, isn't that what Mary is doing, just sitting in front of him and listening to him? Isn't that what we do with the people we love most? Right? It's on that first coffee meets bagel date or when you're trying to impress some friends that you don't really know at a networking event that you have to put on a facade and talk and fill in space. But it's with the Lazaruses and Marys and Marthas of your life that you could just sit there and be quiet because being with them is enough, right? It's with your best friend, your sister, your mom, where you could just sit together. And you don't have to fill the space because it's already filled by your soul and their soul being together, and you're enjoying their presence. I, I want to take our community, we need it so badly, into loving the presence of Jesus. Just like you love being with your closest friends or your closest family members, what does it look like to just rest in the presence of God and love being with him? The next slide is, again, we're selling uh, $25 at 50% off of retail price, and it's what we're paying. And we want to eat some of that cost for you at $17 or at $18 today. And it's because I'm, either we're losing money or we're not making any money. That's my point. But we want to do this because we want everyone to journey towards Christ. And this material isn't magical. It's not like this hype thing that all the other churches are doing. It's been around forever. I think it's what our church needs. And I, I hope that when we go through this course, uh, this material together, it will, it will be things that we can do for the rest of our lives. So I'm excited mostly about the day-by-day -day devotional. And, it, and it's, it's unique. It, it's, it's, it's geared towards transformation. So it's not about consuming as much information as possible. It's not about going hard and fast, like 
Bible in a year, which I love. I've done it, right? But sometimes I'm like, I just want to check that box, you know, on my Bible app. That's the goal today is to check boxes. This is about slowing down. And so I'm going to guide us through it today. Next slide. Um, you have... Um, you have this first worksheet on, under, your, under your chairs, and we missed a few chairs, so if you need one, look around you. There's plenty of them. And here's my challenge to you um, in 2020, okay, is to kind of stop and think about what it means that we get to be with Jesus, I got to speak at a, a panel at Mount Sac years ago. I was, I was young. I was in my early 20s. But I sat next to a Jewish rabbi and an and a is, Islamic um, iman, yeah, and a, and a Hindu priest. And we're all comparing religions, um, comparing contrast, not really debating, but just kind of sharing what's different about what we believe. And... I just kind of talked about my relationship with God and how he would speak to me at times, how I felt his love and presence. And that was a moment where I remembered how foreign it is to be able to say that our God wants to meet us face to face, all of us, all of us. Even if you not like you're Christian because your parents are Christian, or you've walked away, or you're caught in sin, like God wants to meet you. These other religions, it's like you got to ascend a mountain and give up life and do all these things, and maybe he'll whisper to you, but, but he is saying that he wants to meet with each of you every day, that he wants to be soul to soul with you and speak to you. God, like the guy who created the whole thing, he wants to meet with you. I, I don't know how to, like, um, get you to want that, but I don't know how we cannot want that. And yet we don't sometimes, but, like, God wants to meet with you. Is, is that a big deal to you? He created the earth in seven days by saying seven phrases, and he wants to meet with you. You know, I, I spent time uh, this week more than others praying for our community that we would want to be with the Lord. I went down a list of everyone who serves with us, and I just prayed for each one of you that we would hunger to be with him, that this year would feel different than the year before, that we would, we would have so many moments where we sit in front of God. And so here's my challenge to you. Um, the day-by-day -day devotional, it's, the goal is to be with the Lord multiple times a day. And it's not about length, but about being present with him and to remember that God is with us all the time. He's, it's, like, it's more like breathing than it is like breakfast, right? Less like a slot, more like an awareness of his presence. And so part of how they do that is they, do, they have us pause twice in a day to be with the Lord and to just kind of remember that he's with us all the time. So what are two, day, two slots in my day where I can pause and spend time with the Lord. And it can be five minutes. It can be 30 minutes. It can be an hour. So we all have five minutes, right? Can we put in our iCal two slots in our day where we want to stop and be with the Lord? And from the monks to, like, 
Mother Teresa and Martin Luther and some of the most uh, busy people in the world, Jesus, like they would, they would see this as nothing is more important than this. Nothing trumps this. Like when, when the monks would go about doing their duties and, and it was a time for prayer, they were instructed to stop whatever they're doing and run towards their meeting place for prayer because there's nothing more important than that. And we're meeting God. So it kind of makes sense, even though we don't approach it that way, but shouldn't we? Um, the second thing is in those two slots, my challenge to us as a community is, can we create space to be alone during those two times? Maybe it's in our car. Maybe it's going to a park. Maybe it's just sitting in our dining room. Who can I encourage to journey with me into the daily office? That's uh, how we phrase kind of this spent creating space for the Lord. And then how will my relationship work, life and work look different if, I, if I'm connecting with God throughout the day? So I, I would like you to take that home and fill it out, be thoughtful about it. And then I wanted us to take time uh, to break copyright laws and to, and to do this devotional together. I bought, I bought $1,500 worth of books, so I don't feel too bad. Next slide. Um, so here's the goal. There's a few sections in the devotional. It, it could be five, again, it could just be five minutes, but it starts and ends with silence. One of the most neglected disciplines um, of the Western, uh, especially Christian Protestant church. But silence is so important. Silence and solitude, silence removes the noise and solitude removes the people, right? Removing the noise and silence allows us to attune our ears towards God. Removing ourselves from people allows us to be in the presence, face-to-face -face with God. Does that make sense? So we're, you, we start the devotional out by two minutes of silence where we can move into God's presence and rest there. And, and the purpose is to come to him with no agenda, neither speaking nor asking, right? It's just we're like with our best friend, with our child, with our wife. We're just enjoying his soul and creating space for that. There's this new uh, Instagram, you know, like where they do things to your face, where, where, you, where there's a counter and it sees how long you can not blink, right? I kind of think about... I, that's my image when I'm doing silence, like, because <laughs> it's very hard. So I'm like, how long can I do this for? And it's okay if I do have a mental lapse. How can I bring myself back in? And how do I break my last, like, marker, right? So, like, you don't blink for 30 seconds. Then you try not to blink for five minutes. Then your eye goes dry, and then you can't see anymore. And that's when you know you're winning. And so with the Lord, um, how do I, it's a discipline to just be. We don't know how to do that anymore. Uh, we have so, so, such a small tolerance for it. And so what I do is I just think of one or word or two words that helps me refocus, right? So if I'm, if I'm trying to enter into God's presence uh, and I feel uh, distracted, I'll just breathe in really slow. And I just put myself in his presence. If I feel shame or guilt, I just ask for forgiveness. And then I just enter in. I know he loves me, that he accepts me, that he knows me. I breathe in, and as I breathe out, I just try to refocus. And I just say, um, Appa, right? The same way my son says Appa to me, Father, I say Appa. 
and breathe in, breathe out, Appa. Right? You could say, here I am. You can say, I'm here. But just trying to be with the Lord. Um, the next part, the next part of, um, as you do that, you know, and you get better at it, or you're able to do it longer, just kind of, if you're able to listen to yourself as well. What is your soul saying? Is it sad? Is it anxious? Is it joyful? What is your body saying? As we slow down, we get to hear ourselves. And then the next portion is scripture reading, devotional, a question, but all concise, less is more, right? And it's, in this space, it's about hearing from the Lord. It's not about absorbing material. It's not about going as fast as you can. It's just like letting something in there be the Lord appearing to you and, and speaking to you. And, if, and as he does that, to slow down even more and say, okay, I'm going to read that again. Lord, would you just elaborate on that in my life? Lord, help, help me to go deeper here. Sometimes I'll go through the, 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 the scripture reading, nothing stands out, and I'll just go devotional. Sometimes something's so strong in the scripture reading that I just won't even continue. That's it. That's all I'm doing is just soaking in those words. And then we end again with two minutes of silence uh, with the same, the same goal, being in the presence of the Lord. I just think, man, like, it's so basic, right? Human, in the human way, it's so basic to, like, be with someone. You're not selling them anything. You're not trying to portray yourself in a certain way. They're, you love them. They love you. There's nothing left to, to say. You're just with them. How, how rare is that in our relationship with the Lord? And how normal does he want that to be for us? So even for many of us, maybe who have done devotionals daily, this still, I think, can be a way in which we de deepen and lengthen um, our time with the Lord. So I want to give us time to do this. Um, we'll do 10 minutes. Um, and as you're doing this, um, I would like you to somehow just kind of integrate communion. You know, communion is, is how God converges with us. How he, how, why we can be with him. A holy God. You know, like before Jesus comes, God has to hide himself or we die, right? Moses goes up. He's like, oh, I see you face to face. And God's like, yeah, you'll die. But I'll cover you on the side of a cliff and pass by, and then you can see my tail. And he's like the best of us, right? Everyone else is just shuddering under the mountain. And then Jesus comes, and he dies for us. And he says that your shame and your guilt and your sin, they are removed. And the best part about that is that we can be soul to soul. Are we, are we doing the greatest gift? Are we, are we living in the greatest gift of God where he tears down this huge curtain separating himself and us? Right At the last breath of Jesus, this curtain between the holy of holies and all the other courts are separated. And God is like, you can walk in and find me. I pray that God would appear to you in this time. And I pray that it would be what gives you life, that you can't live without it. You know, just like we starve when we don't eat, we are all starving. But if we consume the Lord, that we would know again what it means to be full 
and to have energy and to have weight in our souls. And that we would, we would know that we, we long to be filled every day. And that we would not be able to exist without being in front of him. God, bless this time. Your presence is here and in us. You want to meet us in the silence. And you want to speak to us through these words. And I pray that we would listen. As we take communion, let us remember again why you died. So we can do this. Not primarily to serve, but primarily to be with you. That's why you died. Amen.